I'm so excited this morning because um, I get the honor and privilege to do an interview with Robin Millie Radosti. So can you welcome them? Awesome. Come on and sit down, guys. my phone so I have my questions out here. Well, I am so excited to do this because some of you guys, um, how many have heard Rob's testimony um, at our uh, Love Explosion or um, through his book or something like that? And But Millie has also, also has a powerful testimony. So we're going to just kind of, I'm going to interview them and have ask them some questions and we're going to kind of dream about what God's going to do in the future with this relationship. We're so excited. Um, so the first time um, I got an opportunity to meet through via my husband, Rob, was um, they had connected on Facebook several years ago, like what, three years ago you guys connected on Facebook. Yeah. And um, he was, he had just left, you were, he was ministering Todd Bentley and had just went on in his own, started his own ministry. And we had, Zach had connected with him on Facebook and he's like, hey, dude, I'd love to come to Vegas. And we're like, Really? We'd love to have you. And so we like talked and we were, I remember being, we were in a staff meeting and it was um, Chris and Carly and Zach and I, and we had put Rob on speakerphone and just, it was just so powerful. The connection we immediately had just the heart of God was just like the same. And then he came and it was like, um, like we just, we just want you here if you want to come. So So I know um, Rob has a table in the back with his books, so he's going to talk about that too. So I want to make sure you guys know about that. And I just kind of want to start off and say, why don't you guys really quick share, like, your guys' testimony, you know, like Cliff Notes. And because I know they could get the book, but give them a little teaser on the book. But you can grab that mic right there. Glory. Oh, there we go. Whoa, got a lot of. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, are we good? All right. So, uh, well, thanks so much. Um, man, this is awesome. How you guys doing? It's exciting. Uh, I'm just so excited about, you know, tomorrow night and just, man, everything. It's just so cool. Um, I've shared my testimony a few times, you know, at the love explosions and such, and uh, I do have the book back there, so with all the, you know, a lot of people come and, you know, they're like, well, tell me, tell me how you grew up and, you know, just everything you got into and how you got out of it and everything, like two minutes, just all of it, and it's not, you know, so I wrote 200 pages, you know, that that works a little bit better, and uh, so that is available at the back, Um, it's called, and he unleashed me to the world, Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a long time in the making, I can tell you that much. But I'm, I'm actually really excited to hear from Millie because she's never shared here before. And so and most of what people have heard about her story is just through me, you know, or, or at my meetings, wherever I'm speaking. And, uh, but I'll just kind of recap real quickly um, 
I was raised in a Seventh-day Adventist household. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Uh, but I, I, you know, kind of like the Apostle Paul when he wasn't Apostle yet, how he had to, like, memorize the whole law. That's kind of where we were at. So I knew it pretty well, you know, not the whole thing, but I'm talking about the Mosaic law. I was scared of God growing up, but at the same time I was taught Jesus was good and that he healed people a long time ago, but that God was kind of angry at the same time and he wanted to judge people. And then I was also scared to death of the devil. So when you're scared to death of God and the devil, there's not a whole lot of places to turn outside of that. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of look inwardly and you start looking inside yourself for answers and you talk to other people and you try to find, cause everyone's kind of on an identity journey, you know, a quest for identity. And, um, and, uh, so I was on that quest for identity for a long time, you know, and my dad left when I was real young and we've since been reconciled. He's come back to the Lord and, and praise God for that. Um, so there's definitely hope, but, uh, you know, having that happen, I, it threw me into just a life of, um, depression. And I was, you know, in the psychiatrist's office at 12 and it just, kind of not escalated in a sense, but went down from there, downward spiral, um, got introduced to alcohol and drugs at a young age. And then I turned to Satanism and witchcraft, uh, to find the answers that I was looking for. I was introduced to Satanists and then it just got deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, to the point where I attempted suicide. I had two suicide attempts and, um, and, 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 and it's kind of, I don't want to like give it all away or I can't really go into all the details, but when you're into something that deep, you kind of have this feeling that you're going to die at some point, you know, and there were so many times that the Lord delivered me from, you know, death. And at one point I was probably about 16. Uh, I was hanging out. I thought I was a vampire. And so I was hanging out with these people that, uh, that they were like a vampire cult and they would like file their teeth and drink blood. And they, some of them believed they were werewolves and they were into sacrifices and just all kinds of crazy, horrible stuff. And um, there's a lot more details in the book, obviously. But uh, I had a near-death experience one night, thought I was dying, and for, for as obsessed with death as I was, it scared the you-know-what out of me. Like, it scared me really bad. And so it, that shocked me because I'm thinking, why am I afraid of death, you know? I mean, I thought death was, I was all about death. I've been obsessed with death for years, you know? And, uh, but I had this encounter where when I thought I was dying, I was kind of getting sucked just into this deep darkness, and it just felt so lonely and so empty. And that's when I kind of started asking questions, you know, kind of questioning God again. And it wasn't until another year later, six months to a year later, that uh, I got invited to this Christian metal festival, you know, and that, that made me angry because I'm like, that's, that's the devil's music. How are you going to take it and use it for God? You know? So I was mad. So I went to convert people to the devil and I took a, I took a bunch of friends with me. We we're like handing out satanic Bibles and all this. And then I had a radical encounter with Jesus at the festival. And, uh, but I just want to say this real quick. Um, kind of our, our mandate scripture, our life scripture, since we've been married, since we started ministry is uh, Acts chapter 26, and it's in the beginning of my book as well, Acts 26, 18, when Paul had the radical encounter with Jesus, um, Jesus gave him a mandate, and this is what it was, uh, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And that's where it's at. So awesome. So powerful. Now, I encourage you, if you want to know more details, go ahead and get his book. But just a radical encounter with God. And it just is so, just, yeah. It just shows you that 
nobody is too far gone, that nobody is beyond the reach of the hand of the Father. Nobody is beyond the touch of a loving Savior, not one person. So if you're feeling like you know somebody um, here that maybe they've just depth, that they've stepped into the deepest of darkest of things, they are not beyond reach of the love of God. And I am so excited about hearing Millie's testimony. I just want to really quick tell you guys, this precious, awesome lady is such a treasure and has um, just become such a, a good friend of mine. And so I'm so um, thankful of her relationship. She's such a, a valuable person. And you guys have no idea the strength that she has behind the scenes. So um, I am excited about hearing from Millie Radosti. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> Radosti. And it's certainly not Rodasti, like is on the schedule. <laughs> But you're not supposed to make me cry before I start. And with all this revival going on over here, I don't know how I'm going to carry on, actually. But uh, <laughs> about to fall out right now. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much. I'm not going to go into much detail because, like um, Rochelle was saying, we had both written books. And my mine is set to be released on October 31st. So, yeah, we thought that was a good day because... Um, as I'm about to tell you, um, we, I came from, you know, mental institutions, things like that. So we thought this is a good time to come out with a book to combat all that dark demonic stuff that, uh, you know, talking about the power of Jesus conquering all that and my phone. Shut up. <laughs> I write notes because I forget everything. Um, but um, so a lot of you know, I grew up in a really abusive home and it, it extended to my distant family, but impacted my life uh, as a young child. Um, my, my mom had, was one of 12 brothers and sisters and the closest one to her was murdered by her husband, which impacted my family because her husband had talked to my dad. So we had a lot of abuse that had happened in my family and my mom stayed in that abusive relationship because she was always in fear that something would happen to her if she left and there were threats and constant things that would happen that would just, she would try to run away somewhere and take us kids and things would just happen. My father would find her and threaten her and threaten um, my grandmother and different things like that. So my dad would say really um, harsh stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't give a warning um, about young children and things like that. I won't share too much detail, but this thing's kind of, these, yeah, there's nursery and things. Um, so my dad would say things like, I would kill you and bury you and no one ever find your body and things like that. And my mom believed him because her sister had, had that happen. So my siblings and I, my mom grew up, my mom, oh, I grew up, my mom worked three jobs to try and support our family. My dad would not contribute too much and we grew up really neglected we'd be sent home for smelling like urine or lice or different things like we we didn't we weren't clean people um and I was so fearful of my father and the abuse um that he had put us through that um at in night at nighttime when I'd have to go to the bathroom I'd have to walk through the living room to the bathroom and he'd be drunk and naked on the couch and I'd be so fearful that I would pile dirty clothes in my room and go to the bathroom in them so that I wouldn't have to go down and see him, you know. And so I'm not going to go into the types of abuse and different things like that, you know. But um, that's just to give you a picture of how fearful I was of him. And so I grew up uh, with a very 
deep understanding of dark and demonic and death at a young age. And when I was just seven years old, I remember I didn't want to live anymore. And I held my breath because I thought, okay, if I don't breathe, I'm not going to live. So I would hold my breath as long as I could and just hope to not live anymore. And it didn't work out, thank God. <laughs> so, um, but I, I always, I grew up with this feeling, this like lie that there was something wrong with me and that I didn't belong in this world. And so by the time I became a teenager and became aware that people were different from me and people didn't grow up with this fear and, and, and this abandonment and this, you know, this brokenness, um, I started to feel like there was no other alternative. I delved deeper into depression and darkness and I got involved in some risky things like self-injury and I messed around with some things with my eating and just different control issues. I had a lot of control issues because I, I felt so out of control at my house, but, um, in, I'm sorry, I won't go into too much more detail, but um, when I was in high school, I got invited to a church, and I went because they said there was food, so I thought, I'll go, um, <laughs> and when I went, I felt like this incredible love that I'd never felt before, and the people were amazing, and they, they, they showed me love, they hugged me, they, they you know, encouraged me, and I didn't look like them. I, my clothes hardly fit. I, I looked ridiculous. But they loved me. But the love that really impacted me was by the end of the service when he talked about Jesus and, his, and, and that father thing. I didn't know what it was at that time, that father thing, you know. And so, you know, if anyone wants to give your life to Jesus, come up here. I went, and I just, you know, I wrote all this in detail. And every, you know, I really went back into the moment to write my book and um, all the emotion I felt at that time, like ha- getting a father again and um, just the love that surrounded me and how I surrendered my life at that moment and repented and, you know, I, I did all the stuff and I felt amazing and I joined the church and I went to every service, but still I was a broken mess because I had to keep going home. I had to keep enduring the things I was enduring and then when I wasn't home, I would go to church and I was just doing amazing, but um, as things progressed and everything, I, I, um, I ended up going for help, and anyway, long story short, I ended up, someone ended up calling um, the police on me because I just did not want to live anymore, and I ended up in several mental institutions, um, broken mess, and you know, when you walk into a mental institution for the first time, no matter how old or young you are, you get this thing on you, like, you're never going to shake this, you're never going to achieve anything else in your life, and so... Um, you know, over a period of that time, I, I, I really lost hope. I did one final suicide attempt and no one knows whether I succeeded or not because I passed out on the bus. And then when I was ended up in the hospital the next day, they told me that the whole bottle of pills I took, not even one pill was in my bloodstream, not even the regular dose I was in. And I knew that the prayer I'd prayed right before, and I didn't say this, but I'd prayed a prayer. I said, God, if there's a reason for my life, please show me. If you want me to do anything in this world, please show me what you want me to do. And so I woke up in a hospital bed with not a trace of the pill in my system that I was even on regularly. And I knew I was dead and I was alive again. And God was answering my prayer. So I knew that from that day forward, I was going to find my purpose and I was going to spread the message of hope of Jesus for the rest of my life. I didn't even know there was healing available yet (laughs) until I met this guy who was speaking at our church and, you know, he, he was ministering to me. Honestly, he was ministering to me first and then we fell in love. (laughs) He wasn't missionary dating or anything. (laughs) And so, yeah, so 
we prayed and, you know, I went through a process of healing and, and I came off my meds and I'm not against medications. I think that they help people, but, um, I know that for me, I was worshiping and, and relying on them to control me because I was scared of what I might do off of them. And so, yeah, so I went out through a process of healing and, and then we fell in love, got married and started ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's powerful. I want you to really quick share the verse you yeah. showed me. I thought, yeah. I thought about that, but then I, I was like, uh, too long already. <laughs> so the scripture I actually picked out, because when I give my testimony other places, which I haven't done in a long time, I'm talking really fast, I'm sorry. Um, Romans eight fourteen and 15. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you who have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And I like to say that, like, if you feel like church or Jesus is just somewhere you don't belong, or maybe this world isn't somewhere you belong, that, you know, we are all adopted to sons and daughters. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters of God, and it's available to every single person. But I won't, I won't start preaching that. Amen. <laughs> Woo. She came and she showed that to me during worship when we're singing the son, the song. I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a son of God. And I was like, how powerful is that? That's like the message of her testimony. And it's the song we were singing this morning. So I think that's so powerful. I'm so excited. Who's going to be preaching at church on the strip again? Is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I just really quit. I mean, wasn't that, that was so awesome? Now you guys know why I just adore her, like, tremendously. Um, and I like Rob, too. <laughs> He's pretty great. Um, so why don't, we're one, so exactly. you can't separate what God's put That's together. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> why don't you really quick talk about that whole journey of you guys coming here? Because it was pretty, pretty crazy and just... It was. Um, you can... You want to? Okay, I'll start. Um, so basically, um, you'll read in my book. So uh, when we got married, we were so passionate about um, ministry, but we, we didn't really know what to do, you know, as far as how to get into ministry. So um, we had dreams for missions and, and all that kind of stuff. But we just did what you normally do. We went, we, we moved to Florida on the beach where I grew up. And we got uh, good jobs. We got an apartment, got a car, and we just did our thing, you know. So uh, for the first six months of our marriage, um, we were just doing our thing. And we both, like, felt convicted, like, every day. Like, we're not supposed to just be living a normal life. Like, we're not satisfied. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. And so one day came, and we just gave everything we had away. And we drove 1,200 miles away where, to where we met and got married in Pennsylvania. And we just stayed on friends' floors and just began fasting and praying, like, God, what do you want us to do? Like, and uh, that's when doors began to open. And, you know, our ministry didn't start in churches. In fact, I didn't want to speak in churches. The Lord was still dealing with my heart about churches from when I was a child. I didn't like churches, but I liked the clubs and I liked the streets. And so that's where I was. And so, you know, you can read the details in my book, but it, it just progressed. And, uh, we didn't even want a house, you know, because we th- felt like that would get in, in the way of us just being able to go in an instant wherever God was calling us to go. And so over the next few years, we ended up in 30, 
about almost 30 nations together just by faith, just following the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the doctors had told her she probably wouldn't be able to, to, to conceive, you know, children because of the abuse and, and the, all the stuff. And the Lord, you know, gave us Titus. It was a miracle. We were in Brazil as missionaries, and we, got, we were praying and fasting for a child. We had this encounter with the glory of the Lord one night, and, and then we found out a few weeks later she was pregnant, and, and it was just wild. And so kind of from that point, we were like, all right, so where are we going to dig roots? You know, like where are we going to? And so we went to South Carolina for a few years, and I was mentored and being raised up by Todd Bentley, and I was traveling with him. And then we went to Alaska. We were missionaries in Alaska for a few years in the villages. And then we felt like that grace just lifted, and, and, and the door to live there just shut. And this was the end of 2014. Like it was the, about New Year's last no, it was the end of 20. I don't remember, but it was like whenever it was, it wasn't that long ago, a little over a year ago. And so we're just praying like, Lord, you know, what do we, and I never thought, to be honest with you, you know, every time I came here and preached Chris Ritchie, you know, I got to love Chris. You know, I miss Chris. Come on. You got to love Chris. He's like prophesying. You're going to move here. You're going to move here. I'm prophesying it. You're going to move here. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I hate the heat. I hate the desert. Don't want it. I grew up in Florida. I didn't like the heat. I moved to Alaska. I loved it. I loved it. You know, I'm like, no way. I'd never live here, right? And uh, so it was kind of the last place. And so we left Alaska. Uh, It was December. It was just before Christmas 2013. That's what it was, I think. Or is it 14? What is this year? Is this 15? Okay. I don't even know. I'm like in heaven somewhere right now. I have no idea what's going on. But, um, so uh, we went to the East Coast, and we, we connected with some friends we had in New Jersey, and we were traveling all over the East Coast, and uh, our, our third baby was born over there, and, and we had an awesome, awesome friends over there, but we just felt like we, we still weren't like where we were supposed to connect into and just put roots down. Like we just, and so I came out and spoke at last year's Love Explosion, and between sessions, Chris was secretly bringing me to look at houses and apartments, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know about this. So I'm sending her pictures, right? Uh, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, I think I... I don't know. I think I want to visit, you know, and she'd never even been to Vegas before. And, um, and so when I was here last year, man, I'm telling you, cause we were looking and before I even came out to love explosion, we'd been praying and she, we were praying over the map and she goes, I'm sure Vegas is a cool, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. No. So she actually said, she called it and I'm like, no, absolutely not. Right. And so me and Chris are looking at apartments. We're looking at houses and stuff. And, and I'm still kind of like, but I don't know, something just hit me. Like I just fell in love with the people and the leaders and everybody. And then I'm walking down the strip and, and I'm just, I'm texting her. I'm like, honey, where sin abounds grace, like this would be the place that God would pour out his spirit. Like it's known as sin city. And you know, we're kind of like extreme people. If you can't tell, it's like either Alaska or the desert. It's like no, no in between. Like we're extreme. We're very extreme. Our personalities are extreme. People either love us or hate us. And that's just how we are, you know? And, um, and so it didn't surprise me. I'm like, you know, we're extreme people. So we're praying. We had a conference call with them. And it was just like the hearts just intertwined, connected. And this vision for Vegas just exploded in our spirits. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and if you want to say anything, I want you to talk as well. But I was going to say, you know, we, we moved here in faith. And we didn't know what it was going to look like. You know, we moved here with like maybe $1,000 in our pocket. We drove all the way over here. We had nothing else. We had no other leads. We just wanted to come in faith. And we kind of always done things that way. Um, 
And it wasn't until we were having these date nights on the strip, like week after week after week, where, you know, everywhere, this girl, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so much a personable, like I'm kind of more of an introvert, actually, even though I'm a public speaker, she's the extrovert. And so here we are having these dates and she's just like connecting hearts with every person on the strip. Like no matter who they are, she's like Facebooking and getting numbers and doing this and inviting them there. And she, and, and it like our hearts just begin to melt for the strip. And then I begin going to talk to local people and they're like yeah we don't really go to the strip and i'm like really like and i realized man we really have a heart for the strip so we talked to pastor zach and rochelle they're like you know we've been wanting to do something on the strip for like six years seven years ten years and i'm like you got to be kidding me really and that was kind of how it played into it but anyway why don't you just say talk for a few minutes about if you want to if you want to share about how that whatever your heart is yeah um (laughs) Actually, I remembered a little differently, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember you coming back to me and telling me how awesome these people are and how they have, you know, they love us and everything. <laughs> so, oh, okay. It, whatever. But, um, I know. Never mind. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in New Jersey and I love Alaska and This is all I could think about because it's the only place I had a real community, and then our community kind of dispersed from up there. And I thought, you know, for our family, from a personal side, like, we are a family. We have three kids, and we're, you know, married, obviously. (laughs) And we need community. We need people around us. And for me, it was all about people. I want to do life with people, Um, you know, because you can go into any church, and you can be anybody you want for a weekend, but I wanted people that were going to be real and love and embrace, and I wanted to be part of that, and I wanted to be part of what gives into that. And so I was praying for a while, and um, Mark, Mark MacArthur, um, Rochelle, they they had a house, and they were showing us the house, and they were doing the lives the webcam. And you got to understand, I haven't met anybody yet. I didn't meet Rochelle. I didn't know anybody, and I'm just like God. I need. I've moved not eight times and had three babies in four years. I need a sign, a real sign from you. If you tell me, I will go. And as they're showing us the house, there's a picture of Alaska and the exact mountain that we used to live under that I would daydream and miss about in the living room of this house. And I knew, I knew. I mean, how many people have pictures of Alaska in their house in Nevada? I mean, in Alaska, it's common, but not here. And so I was just... I knew, that's when I knew, I said, God, I'm going to trust you, and we came, and it was the best decision, my ninth move with three babies in four years, and it was the last. (laughs) So awesome. I know um, there was a lot of things that happened unexpectedly after you guys moved here pretty quickly that kind of changed some some things, and I know most of the church knows, but I want to hear from your guys' heart, like... How, what did that look like? How did it feel? I mean, you're a traveling minister and like you're home and, and just so talk about that and how, what God has done and spoke to you guys, the promises that, you know, that we've talked about in private that, um, that you guys can feel like you can share about that. All right. Well, um, wow. Yeah. So I think obviously the Lord knows he lines things up that we can never line up. Right. And he makes a way where there's no way. 
And I mean, I never, I thought I was going to hate it here, to be honest with you. My first week or two, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it was like 108, 108 is like death when you live in Alaska for four years. Okay. Like I'd never even felt 108 degrees before, maybe once or twice growing up in Florida, but you know, it's humid, but it doesn't usually hit like that high. And, um, and so there was a lot of things that, um, I, I just really had to, I had to, um, I'm just going to be vulnerable and open. So, you know, our son was diagnosed with cancer not long after we moved here. And, and even that, even that, you know, there's, there's this children's hospital in Vegas, like six miles from our house that specializes in childhood leukemia. I couldn't set that up. I never knew that. There's no way that I could have set that up. But one of the things for me um, was that we had been taken advantage of a lot in ministry. And I'm going to tell you guys something. If you want to be in ministry, praise God, right? If you're called to ministry, praise God. And before you have anointing and gifting, and before you can preach well, you need thick skin, okay? That's the first thing. If you are called into ministry, you need to say, Lord, give me thick skin. Let me love people like deep and give me thick skin because you can be gifted. You can be anointed. Everybody's gifted in some area. Lots of people can preach, teach, uh, write books. But, um, and so there was a lot of things in our hearts that, uh, that in my heart specifically that the Lord really began to deal with when I moved here, because in a sense, I was afraid to really just get into community. In a sense, I didn't even know how to do it. You know, like we'd moved around so much and I know how to, I've been parts of extended revivals and I've, but there's people that would take advantage of us and, you know, to get to somebody else or to get this benefit or kind of step on you to get up the ladder or whatever. And so I didn't want that anymore, but I noticed in the two times that I came out here and spoke that these leaders were like, the exact opposite of that. It's like the political spirit is like non-existent. And I'd never experienced ministry like that before. And, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, our son getting diagnosed with leukemia almost pushed us into like, we had no choice, but to depend on the community around us for love and support. And um, I know God didn't give him leukemia, but I know he's working it together for his good. And I was so amazed, like, at the love without strings attached, the authenticity of this house. Like, how, you know, I travel, and I still, I travel all over the country and I preach and all over the world sometimes. And people say, man, it really looks like you're getting plugged in in Vegas. Is it that cool of a place? I'm like, when you have our community, it's that cool of a place, you know? Now people are wanting to move here. They're like, we want to move there. I'm like, well, come. You're welcome, right? We want you to come. But, um, you know, just learning to trust people, just learning to allow, learning to allow people to serve us uh, and, and us to learn how to serve without strings attached, you know? Like, I don't have to say to Pastor Zach, you know, let me carry your Bible and maybe I'll, I'll learn some extra points, right? It's not like that. It's like... You love and you serve each other out of love, like in a marriage. And the only, the only place I've really grasped that is within our marriage, but it's been like our only safe place for years, you know? But when we came here, it's like I could feel it. I felt this is the place for my family to grow and flourish. This is the place for my children. And you know, so many people, Vegas, are you crazy? You know, why would you want to move your kids to Sin City? They're going to see all that. I'm like, shut up. I know what God's calling us to do. And I... I had a peace in my heart when we made the decision and we're driving across, you know, you're driving across, we drove from New York pretty much like, you know, we got to Texas and we're like, God, 
kill me now and resurrect me in Vegas. This is insane, right? But, but the peace in our hearts drove us. And I'm going to tell you something. I have never encountered the, auto, the, auto, the authenticity uh, that I have seen in this house. Not that I haven't encountered it in traveling, but I've never encountered it for an extended period um, where I see like, and I had that peace in my heart. And, um, and I just want to thank you guys. And I know, I don't know a lot of you super well, but you have, you've been selfless toward us. You have poured out, you brought us meals in the hospital. And when that first started, even I was like, how do we accept this? Like, what do they want from me? You know, like, I don't know. It was just, and I'm learning and my heart is just being open and, and, and softened. And I just want to thank you guys so much. It's been awesome and incredible. Yeah, I have to back everything he said up. Um, so I'm, I'm going to really try not to cry. Because since my son was diagnosed, I'm a lot more emotional <laughs> than I used to be. But um, when, when, my son, when our son Titus, four years old, um, got diagnosed with leukemia, things got real, real fast. And um, there was, I mean, we were never the type of people to hide who we were. But definitely that was not going to happen now, from this point forward. And we really had to open up our lives and just trust. And God used so many people in this room. Like, I'm just looking around, and I'm, I'm just remembering the times you guys, you were there. And there were times when I wasn't okay in my mind, but I had peace in my heart. And there were people that would show up at our door with food. And there were people that would be, you know, Melly put together a GoFundMe for us. And you guys would hold our babies so that Rob could continue to travel and we can continue spreading the love of Jesus as he would travel. And, you know, I just, I want to thank you guys, you know, and I, I'm just going to keep saying, you know, and I want to thank you guys over and over. So. And I want to thank you guys. <laughs> so awesome. What a testimony of you guys and of what this house can do for families and and what it means to live life together. You know, when, um, when we set out to plant a church six years ago and we said, we want it to be real. Like we want to do life with people in a real way where if somebody is hurting, we are the arms and feet of Jesus. And that's what's happened. Like we can look now six years later and say, like we're doing it. We are living in a community where we're doing life with people where nobody is is outside and nobody is left aside. And um, let me just say this. If it's your first time or if you're not involved in this community, we love people, which means we get to know them, which means we aren't always perfect and we don't always have it all together, but we will love like nobody else. We will love. And so um, I'm just like, I, I'm just excited. It's so great. No, and I want to second that. I do. And we're not all perfect as far as, you know, we're perfect in Christ. We're perfected, completed. But, you know, we're all learning. We're maturing. But we're all forgiven. See, that's what you got to remember. Everybody forgiven. And, uh, and everyone's included in this awesome gospel. It's incredible. It's too good to be true. But you guys as a church, you exemplify. You really do exemplify. And, I, I mean, we listen, we've been asked all over the country, please move here, pray about moving here, pray about, and it's, you know, of course, because they want to see God move in their city or whatever, and they want us to join their ministry, and I, and, and I love all of them, but when, when we came here, uh, seriously, man, I'm telling you, there's something different. You guys really exemplify 
um, the gospel in action. You really do. So, and, and listen, I've never been open to planning a, like a, a church with another ministry before, ever. And, uh, and that's how intertwined our heart is here. I said, where, where else but Vegas and where else? But I, I can't help but grab hold of this vision, you know, Encounter Church Las Vegas, and just say, I'm grabbing this torch, and, run, and I want to run with it. And my wife feels the same exact way. So I think it was about three or four months ago, and we just kind of sat down, and, and they, they came, and we were sitting in the office, and they're sharing this passion that God's given them for the strip. And Zach and I were like, our heart has always been to have something down there, uh, a place for, you know, people that work there, people that live there, people that won't ever go anywhere else but the strip. It's where they are. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but that location, hundreds of millions of people come every month to visit one street. Come on. Ask him for the nations, right? Hundreds of millions of people come from all over the world to visit one street, and you can't find one church. So we're going to change that. And we... Come on, somebody. And we know that after, and I know that you guys feel this, after hearing from, from Rob and Millie about where they've been and what God has brought them through that God takes people out of the darkest, deepest places to bring such light and hope and salvation to the world. And so, um, so we just began to dream and it was so crazy. Um, we just started talking about it. And I mean, Millie gets this, um, really awesome, nervous, giggly laugh when she, (laughs) when she's excited about something and she's just like, it's, she's got really giddy and weird. And you could really sense like the, a, a weighty presence of God in the office when we're talking about this. And, um, and so Zach's like, well, I have a friend that I went to church with and, and, um, and he owns a chapel on the strip. We made one phone call and got a location. Come on somebody. And, um, and so it's been in our heart since before we planted the church. I remember like we, before we planted the church, Zach was like, okay, when we plant our church in Henderson, I want a one on the strip, and then I want one at UNLV, and then we're going to have one on the other end of town. Like, this was already in his heart before we even planted this one. This is something that's been inside of us for so long, and God just did all of the things that needed to happen to connect us with these amazing people to just make it happen. So it's something so ex- – I'm like – I'm giddy about having a church campus, another campus, but I want you guys to kind of share like what you guys see the vision of it going to be and, um, and just how you, what what you feel like God wants to do there. Cause I know, we know we've been saying it, what happens in Vegas will not Not stay in Vegas, Vegas, but will shake shake the the nations nations for the the glory glory of God. God. And we know that Las Vegas is to my mic, but okay. But we know Vegas is ripe for revival. So I just want to hear your guys' heart and what you see, what God has been speaking to you and stirring on the inside of you guys for this campus. Awesome. That's so amazing. Um, I, we are so passionate about this vision that God's put in our hearts. Um, so I just want to, like, with all our background, we had 
you know, just shortly after we were married, I had a dream that there was a book open and there was four characters. And I understood what the characters meant, but it wasn't English. And it said, go to all four. And so I knew from the very beginning of our marriage that we'd be traveling the world and preaching the gospel. And we were so passionate. We said, we don't even want a home. You know, we'll have a baby. We'll travel with the baby. We, we don't want a home if it's going to take expenses away from, you know, plane tickets and places to go and, and preach this message of Jesus. And it might have been slightly immature but uh, <laughs> of an idea. But um, we were passionate about traveling the world. And so this vision to me makes sense with our calling because where else does all of the world come focus? We don't even have to leave town to impact the nations. We can plant this right here. And not only will they be broken and hurting, but people from all over the world that are going to take what Encounter has in the community that we have, and they're going to come back to their countries and spread it. It's going to be a worldwide vision, and we have a lot of passion for it. No, totally. You know, um, when we were married, uh, we spent our, our first one-year anniversary in Fiji and New Zealand, and we lived in New Zealand as missionaries for six months. And there we were being discipled by this awesome evangelistic ministry. And at the end of the school, the man, and you'll read about it in my book, but the, the man said, um, if you could ask God for one thing tonight, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting, and I want you to cry out to God and, and for, what, for what it is that is the sole desire of your heart. And we cried out for the nations. That's what we said. We said, Lord, I mean, scripture says, ask, I'll give the nations to you, right? We wanted the nations. I said, Lord, I want the nations. And, and we went into nations and we're going to continue to go into nations. Our, our, our heart at the foundation of everything is missions. It's not American church. I mean, it's awakening in the church of America. Absolutely. But it's not just conferences and our heart is missions. You know, we speak different languages. We love to study about different cultures and you'll read more about that in my book. But, um, I never realized until we moved here, oh my gosh, Vegas, you know, and so Pastor Zach would call, call it Revival City, and everywhere I go now, because you've seen me probably on Facebook, like I next, this next weekend I'll be in Alaska with John Crowder, and I'm going to make this declaration about Vegas in Alaska, the next weekend I'll be in Missouri, I'm going to make the declaration in Missouri, it's this. It's not Sin City. The Lord told us when we moved here, replace the I with an O. It's Sun City. Because God's taken the orphans and he's bringing the spirit of sonship for this city to receive. And you know what? There's, there's casino workers. There's entertainment workers that they don't have they, The last place they want to be is on the strip. They're one night off a week or whatever because they're there constantly. And they're looking for something to plug into. They're looking for somewhere to plug into. But I don't want it to stop there. We've got the Mirage. We've got the Mandalay Bay. We've got the wind. We've got the billionaires that fly in, go, go shop in Milan, Italy, and then fly back, and they need Jesus. And guess what? We're going after them. Guess what? I believe this is going to be Sun City, that those that were slaves will be called sons. And that's going to be, it's going to bring manifestation to the, to the term revival city. When people think of Las Vegas, they think of sin, Right. When they think of, but you know what? We're supposed to see Jesus, right? We need Jesus-shaped glasses. I think I did that at Encounter one time, like two years ago. Put the Jesus glasses on. But seriously, guys, my heart just jumps because I see the nations convening. And you know what? And, and, and you know what's going on on the Strip? Identity crisis. People are seek. They don't. What's so important about Jesus? Well, if you don't know who Jesus is, you're never going to know who you are. You're going to, because your identity lies in him and him alone. And so there's people that have, you know, they're transgender. There's the, all these communities and what they're looking for is Jesus. And they're incredible people and they're created by God to be loved. They're created for his pleasure. And, you know, 
since I was young, a kid, I had struggled with same-sex attraction. I'd struggled with, should I have been born a woman? You know, you can read more about it in my book. I started cross-dressing at a young age. And you know what? I think back and I say, you know what, God, thank you so much that I've been able to say, I've been there. So that I can reach out and love these people, you know? And a lot of people say, man, I'm so glad I don't have that kind of story. Well, you know what? And in a sense, I'm kind of glad I do because I'm in a place like this called Las Vegas, right? And, and we need the heart of God. And so I am just so excited because I feel like what better time than 2015 when the, the country is in this whirl of confusion and they don't know where to turn, but the church is growing stronger. The church is victorious. What better time to show, to demonstrate Jesus to the world and to Las Vegas than right now? And I'm glad to do it with you guys. And I just want to just say, um, as we start this and as we start praying, um, please, let's talk positively about the strip. Let's start believing for the strip. Let's stop calling it what it's not. And let's start calling it what it is. And don't let people talk bad about our city, our strip, Jesus's strip. (laughs) Come on. It's our city. It's our city. How many people walk up down the Vegas Strip and say, this is our city? Not, you know, maybe the billionaires, but let's, let's needs to begin to be us. Because the church is going to be the billionaire here in a little bit. And we're going to be touching the nations. And the last thing I want to say is me and Pastor Zach last weekend, we were in Oxnard, California with Larry Titus. And before he asked Zach to do some worship, asked me to give my testimony. But before he called me up, he said, I just want to make a declaration. And there was like a thousand, almost a thousand men. It was a men's conference. And he said, he, he shared the vision about Vegas and church on the strip and this church. And he said, I want every man in this place to declare Las Vegas is Sun City and it's Revival City. And the sound of a thousand men, it was like an army. I I have it on my computer. Maybe we can play it here sometime. But a thousand men repeated after him, Las Vegas is not Sin City, it's Sun City, it's Revival City. And so many people were like, man, I'm catching that vision. Man, we're going to come to Vegas. It's only four hours of May. Man, we're going to come get plugged in. And it's God is bringing, we got Hollywood actors that want to move here to be part of what God is doing here. It's time for Vegas to rise and shine. It's not about sin anymore. It's about his righteousness. Let's do it. Shaka. So awesome. So awesome. Are you guys excited about what God is doing? Can you get behind that kind of vision? So I encourage you guys, if this is, if you have just said, I just, my heart is here. I can catch it. I want to serve. I want to be a part of this. Um, come tomorrow night at 6.30. We're going to cast some vision, share our hearts. You're going to hear from Pastor Zach about his heart towards um, this church campus. And, um, and so I just encourage you to come and join us. Can we just all lift our hands today? Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. And I just pray that just a, just a, a spark of that fire that we've heard this morning, just a, just a, I just see like matches. I see like everybody's, your hands are raised and there's just like matches all over the room and God is just lighting sparks and it's just going to light a fire in our city that cannot be taken out. It's going to go ablaze. It's so contagious. It's like, um, you guys know that in the desert where there's drought and it's dry that you can't even stop fires. You hear me? You can't stop the fire that is being ignited. And I just say, light ablaze your people, God. 
Light ablaze your people with revival fire for the nations, with a fire for our city. God, we just take it. We take ownership of our city. We take ownership of the brokenness. We take ownership of the hurting. We take ownership of of the the volatile um, abuse and the mistreatment that happens in this city, God. And we take ownership of it and we say, no more will it be in our city. We stand for righteousness, God. We stand for revival. And we know you're going to shake this city in the core And it just starts with a few people saying yes. So we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah.